morning. All right, um, today I am going to spend just a little bit of time reading to you um, from my most recent book. It's called Look to Love. And we're just going to start right here. I was in my late 20s when I first encountered Francis Chan's book, Crazy Love. Has anybody read Crazy Love? This book is awesome. You should totally check it out. Uh, it's a passionate call for God's people to be wholeheartedly, fully, totally, completely in love with God. Chan writes, do you know that nothing you do in this life will ever matter unless it is about loving God and loving the people he has made? I read that in a parking lot on my lunch break, and I had to search my car for something to, something to wash the mascara off my cheeks before I went into my next class. I knew I was supposed to love God first and most. Honestly, I wanted to love God first and most. I really, really did. And also, I probably didn't love God first and most, and I didn't know what to do about that. I remember the first time I heard a girl tell God she loved him in prayer. I was at Christian College. I was at Fried Hardeman University. And right there in the prayer circle, she said out loud, God, I love you. And I thought it was so weird and overly sentimental and not something I would ever say in a public prayer. But the more I thought about it, the more it seemed like something I should say. And after years of practice, I mean, I knew how to obey God, and I knew how to serve him and study him and respect him. I could even tell other people about him. But love him? Surely he doesn't mean that I should love him like I love my husband, or love him like I love my kids. That's different. I can touch them. I can stare into their faces and hold their hands and hear their voices. God just seems so far away. And God's powerful. That's the other thing, right? Um, how do you love someone who's in charge of you? Someone who made you? Someone who could unmake you on a whim? How do you love someone who ultimately judged you whether, whether, based on whether or not you loved him? Love doesn't work that way, right? You don't hold a gun to someone's head and say, love me or else. I met my husband, Justin at a gospel meeting at his church. Um, gospel meetings were like revivals or these big things that like your whole county would come to uh, and some like famous preacher would come and preach. And, and, uh. and so I lived in coastal Florida and my county is like one of the most densely populated counties in the, in the country. Um, but there weren't very many Christians there at all. And so in my church, for example, um, there was one other Christian teenager um, other than my brother. And so often my mom would like gather us up and take us to these other churches, basically hunting for teenagers. Um, we were just like trying to find people who went to church who were under 40. Um, and so we had gone this night to this church like 25 minutes away from my house and I walk in the room, and I see a girl I went to camp with. I, you know, we kind of knew each other. And so I go, and I sit down with her. And I'm sitting down just kind of in this new place. And I look up, and there is this boy. I'm 13 years old. And he walks down the aisle, and he has this, like, 
flippy hair. You know how like sometimes a guy's hair will fall on his face and he kind of does this and there's like no not swooning, right? Um, and so he's, he's walking down the aisle, but he's not just walking down the aisle with this great hair. He's like six feet tall and blue eyes. And um, he's not just handsome. He's pushing a lady in a wheelchair. I know, girls. I mean, like, I'm like, whoo. Like, not only is he cute, he, like, takes care of old ladies. Um, and so, it, you know, he pushes her to the front. And then after church, I get the chance to meet this guy. Um, his name is Justin. And he's 15. And he's, like, entertaining my whole, like, my parents with stories of uh, driver's ed. And uh, I get in the car, and my mom turns around, and she's like, hey, what about that Justin kid? And I mean, I'm thinking, I'm 13, and you're my mom. You should know better than that. Um, but she invites him to a party at my house. Uh, I did not expect to spend much time with him at the party. Um, but that night, every time I turned around, there he was. Like, he just... You know, I couldn't tell, is he trying to stay close to me or is this just accidentally happening? Uh, I noticed that he picked me to guard in the basketball game, despite the fact that he was clearly like way taller than me and a lot more talented at basketball than I was. We were partners in the water balloon toss and our water balloon broke the very first time we threw it to one another, but we stayed in it and kept throwing the pieces back and forth. Uh, because no one said that it had to be whole at the end. You were just supposed to keep passing it, so we did. And on the way home, he sat beside me in the two-cram backseat of my mom's station wagon, and I thought maybe I caught him smelling my hair. During the movie portion of the party, I had sat in the very far back, and Justin sat right up close next to the... TV, um, we were watching this terrible old Disney Channel movie called Blank Check. Uh, if you ever want to just watch something terrible for fun and make fun of it, yeah, I got another fan here. Uh, you can do it. Check out Blank Check. Anyway, we're watching this room, um, and I'm, I wasn't totally sure because the room was dark, but I thought a couple times I caught this guy looking at me, um, and it was kind of awkward because he had to turn his whole self around to look at me. My friend Jessica asked after the credits rolled and the lights came up, why was that Justin kid staring at you all night? Over the next year or so, I would come to love that Justin kid. Yes, it started as liking, and at some points it veered in and out of obsession. But after parties and walks and roller skating trips and phone calls and letters and geometry help and singing in the car, I think it's true to say I had fallen in love, even if I was in the eighth grade. And I mean, it stood the test of time, right? So clearly, love. Do you remember what it felt like to fall in love for the first time? Some of you haven't yet, but a whole lot of you have. You know that feeling. I remember. It felt like cold water and sunshine. You know like on a really hot day? when you're on a dock and you just dive into cold water and then you come up and the sun is on your shoulders? Ordinary things suddenly weren't so ordinary because I was in love. Love up to the saturation on everything. In love, I was stronger, more confident, happier. I grew up swimming in the Wikiwachi River. It's this gorgeous river, like full of manatees. Um, 
there was rumor that there used to be mermaids in it, and then they started like a mermaid show there, and you could go and watch these women swimming as mermaids. It's a beautiful, beautiful river. It's clear and cold, and the Wikiwachi flows out to the Gulf of Mexico, and at points in the day, the current is so strong that you cannot fight it. You just jump in and you let it carry you along. That is how it felt to be in love, like being carried. That's how love still feels. When we hear the word commandment, we tend to think of rules and punishments, lines arbitrarily drawn by a God who wants submission above all else. But that is not what God's commandments are. God's commands are more like warnings, invitations, open doors, recommended paths. God's commands are five-star Yelp reviews. You don't want to miss this. And one-star Yelp reviews. If you are not an idiot, you will not go here. When God gives Moses the Ten Commandments, he isn't inventing rules. He's charting the existing territory, providing Israel with a map. Here's how to be human. Here's how to avoid pain and conflict and failure. When David writes about God's law in Psalm 19, he is passionate, delighted, love-struck even about the law. He says, the instruction of the Lord is perfect, renewing one's life. The testimony of the Lord is trustworthy, making the inexperienced wise. The precepts of the Lord are right, making the heart glad. The command of the Lord is radiant, making the eyes light up. The ordinances of the Lord are reliable and altogether righteous. They are more desirable than gold than an abundance of pure gold and sweeter than honey dripping from a honeycomb. In addition, your servant is warned by them, and in keeping them, there is an abundant reward. David doesn't think of the commands as burdens. He sees them as gifts, wisdom for abundant living, directions to the treasure. And that changes the way I think about commands, returning turning heartless rules and cold punishments into expressions of God's love for us. And it especially changes the way I feel about the greatest command, which is what? Love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength. I've realized God isn't asking us to love him with a gun to our head, daring us to say no. God asks us to love him because loving him is like walking around with the saturation turned up. Because loving him is like being carried in a cold, clear river. God commands us to love him because loving him in response to his great and deep love for us is the beginning of the best, most beautiful life. It's November 28th, and I'm watching my daughter's face as she turns the corner into our backyard on the back of a pony. She turns two today. She has a horse stitched onto her sweater, brown corduroy pants, little pink converse, and pigtails. Her smile is enormous and unquenchable. Last night, I stayed up until 3 a.m. making a green grass birthday cake covered in plastic horses, one for each child at the party. Each horse labeled in a hand-drawn cowgirl font on custom horseshoe paper tags I'd carefully cut and tied with twine. I filled troughs with apples and packed trail mix into burlap bags. I cut out 32 horse heads to make horse, horse heads for racing, like they put them on a stick. I cleaned the house top to bottom. Standing here, looking at that little girl on the shaggy pony, I am not as tired as you'd think. I'm poured out and still filled. 
happy, excited, delighted. I feel good deep in my bones. In loving this little girl, in offering up my hours and talent and ambition, I've self-actualized. Surely I was made for this moment, created to love her. You felt like this, right? Like no task is too much, no sacrifice too big, no challenge too hard because you're in love. Like you could climb Everest or swim the English Channel and not be tired because of love. This is how it feels to love God too, but more. Love me, God says. Love me and everything will be better, lighter, lovelier. What no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no human heart has conceived, God has prepared these things for those who love him. The greatest command is undeniably the greatest proposal. Don't you want to say yes? My life has been forever changed by the deep and mighty love of God. He's made me feel safe in a world that is scary and chaotic. He's given me hope when the darkness threatened to swallow me whole. I'm convinced he'll never abandon me no matter who does. He's wise and kind and good and so beautiful. In the mornings when I wake up, I meet God by the window in my living room. I make myself a coffee and I sit in a chair. Sometimes I sit on the floor, palms open, and I pray. Sometimes, occasionally, I pray the way, um, you know, we often do here in chapel. I say, dear God, and then I have a list of requests, and then amen. But other days, I pray the Lord's Prayer, or I write a praise psalm, or I intercede for my friends, or I just make lists and lists and lists of thanksgiving. Often, though, prayer for me looks more like just sitting with God, just being present. I say, hi, God. Good morning. I love you. Maybe I tell him about my day yesterday. Maybe we anticipate the day to come. But mostly, I just sit quietly in the peace and security of a deep friendship. You know how that feels. Your best friends are the ones you can sit in a room with and just be quiet. I sit there by the window and I enjoy being in love. Sometimes when I'm not feeling it, when I'm in an argument with God or I'm feeling apathetic, these things happen in a relationship, I'll open my Bible and I'll look for him. And it's like I'm scouring my yearbook looking for pictures of my crush. Every time I find him, I stare and wonder and ask questions. Who is God? What's his personality? What does he like to do? What does he want? And the stories of scripture draw me back to him. I see him protecting Tamar when the men in her life abuse her. I see him seeking Hagar when she ran away. I see him keeping his promise to Rahab, blessing her far more than she ever could have deserved. And once again, I fall in love. Sitting at the window with God in the morning is my favorite thing. If you don't feel that way about spending time with God, I get it. You've got lots of reasons, I'm sure. But I'm here to say, you guys, I have met God, and he's wonderful, and he loves you, and I think you love loving him. It's the best thing. 
that's floating in the river in the sunshine. And if you want to talk more about how to fall in love with God, come see me after chapel. I bet I can help.